Let's open our Bibles to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26, as we consider further into this wide subject with many Bible references concerning the angels of God, the army of heaven, the host of heaven, the heavenly host, and the armies that God has created to preserve us and protect us, to help us. They are no replacement for God Himself. They don't indwell us and speak to our new man like the Holy Spirit does. John chapters 14, 15, and 16 make no mention of angels or preachers. John 14, 15, and 16 speak of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us so that by Him, Christ and the Father dwell with us, abide with us forever. The angels do not contribute that. The Holy Spirit in our hearts, according to Romans 5, 5, sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts and fills every nook and cranny with the love of God. It is the Holy Spirit of God in Ephesians chapter 3 that fills us with the knowledge of the length and height and breadth and depth of the love of Christ until we are filled with all the fullness of God. The angels cannot do these things. They themselves do not have those things. They don't know the love of God like we know it. God it doesn't say in the Bible that God loves His angels. It just says that God elected them and preserved them, and so they are the elect and holy angels. But He loves us, and it's the Holy Spirit that communicates that personal relationship with God. Angels, as we will see today and next Sunday, because I am seriously in a hole, we will see that the things that they do are of a lesser sort than God the Holy Spirit can do with our spirits. But as far as them executing God's will in carnal, natural, locational issues, the angels are all about those things. And yes, they strengthened the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 26. He already had the Holy Spirit without measure. But the praise of those heavenly beings that were worshiping Him around Him, especially one angel that was sent, according to that passage, you know, strengthened him and angels came and comforted him after his temptation by the devil. They're able to do that. You know, when the host appeared to Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, all we have is that he saw them. That's all it says. But then just a few verses later, the messenger comes back from Esau and he gets the word that there are 400 men coming. You can make, you can add two and two, can't you? That having seen an army of the angels, he wasn't worried as much about the 400, though he still used tactical means of making his brother think, think some pretty nice things about him by sending those droves one at a time in order to meet Esau. We worship God. God dwells in us by His Spirit. Jesus has the Holy Spirit without measure. John 3.34 God gave Him the oil of gladness the Holy Spirit, above His fellows. No angel or man has the Holy Spirit like God gave the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that little short explanation, the intimate, personal presence abiding and dwelling in us is by the Holy Spirit. The angels are going back and forth between heaven and earth. God doesn't have to move anywhere because He fills heaven and earth, including us. And he sheds abroad the love of God. The angels desire to look into the love of God toward us. They cannot shed it abroad in our hearts because they don't even really understand it. 
But God the Holy Spirit can do that. Matthew chapter 26, because we just sang He could have called 10,000 angels, here's what He said in the Garden of Gethsemane when Peter pulled a sword and smote off the ear of the high priest's servant. Matthew 26, 53, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Why did you pull your sword, Peter? Don't you know that I could call my Father and say, Deliver me? And He would send me twelve legions of angels. A legion was sixty centuries. Centurions. A hundred soldiers under each one. Six thousand times twelve. Seventy-two thousand angels. How many would He have needed? Remember? A half. And you know I've, I've made reference to this before, and it's just because of places like Psalm 103, where it says they love to do His pleasure, and they sing the praises of the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. The angels sing it. In Revelation 5, you know that if He would have just looked, if He would have just said, help me, their hands were already on the handles of their swords. They would have shredded that place. We can't even imagine what they would have done for the darling of Almighty God. If He would have said, help me. But He didn't say, help me, because He came to die for you and me. That song says it so well. If you want a song to really let go of, to really sing loud in the car, He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set Him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but He died alone for you and me. Colin read to us from Acts chapter 12 that the angel of the Lord came and kicked Peter in the side and delivered him out of prison. So is it true when someone says, once Jesus came, there was no more the angel of the Lord because Jesus was the angel of the Lord? That's wrong. Oh, help us. I have run into more error in the past week by men that I somewhat trusted than I have in a long, long time. Eternal sonship does not help you. And seeing a man doesn't help you if you're not thinking. That is just the form that they took. Should we get excited and think that there's a burning bush still around someplace because the angel of the Lord appeared as a burning bush in Exodus chapter 3? It's just what God chose to display Himself. A bush that burned but was not consumed. That's a supernatural demonstration of God. And you know Manoah and his wife, the angel of the Lord did wondrously and just ascended up in the fire from their little campfire over there in Judges chapter 13. It's just demonstrations, but it's a man. The form of a man, but it's God speaking through that man because it's an angel. So when you should ask the question to yourself and to others, did Jacob wrestle with a man? With an angel or with God? And the answer is yes. Because it was God in the form of an angel that looked like a man. And the Bible tells us that if we read all pertinent passages pertaining to Jacob wrestling. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 2 says this. You hardly need to turn because it's short and you'll remember it when I say it. 
Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. When you read that verse, do you think of Abraham at the door of his tent? If one of those angels was Jehovah, why didn't Paul say, some men have entertained Jehovah unawares? That would have been a far more powerful argument than entertaining angels. Who cares about angels if you can entertain Jehovah? Do you know why? Because Jehovah wasn't there except in and represented by the angels. And that's the same as it was with Jacob. Looked like a man, was an angel, and God spoke and operated through him. So that Jacob had his name changed to Israel. You're a prince and you have power with God. But he really wrestled with a man that was an angel. I hope I'm repeating myself, but I want you to be able to read the Bible. And I know where you are in your reading. And as you proceed further in uh, the book of Exodus, you're going to run into more encounters with angels. And I want you to understand that if it says angel, we believe angel. That's how deep we go in studying Scripture. Because the Bible is clear that He created angels and they are spirits, but they take on the presence of a, the, the form of a man, the appearance of a man, and they, um, and we just want to be able to trust the Scriptures that way. Angels are created. Since we read Hebrews chapter 1 this morning, let's look at Psalm 104 this time. This is going to be a little clinical here for a moment, but let's just remember that they're created so we don't worship them because they're creatures like us. I hope you appreciated Revelation 22, 8 and 9. Revelation 14 has the same sentiments where the angel calls himself a brother of the prophets and of John and of those that keep the commandments of God. Isn't that pretty nice? That uh, he considers himself one of us, and we all ought to be directing our worship heavenward toward God. That's why at the end of that verse, he just said, worship God. Not me. Worship God. I'm just like you. I'm just revealing God's will. I've shown you these visions. I've I've testified of these things. Because I'm revealing God's will, you're going to write it down and it's going to reveal God's will to many others. We have the same type of a calling and I am also a brother to those that keep God's commandments. And that's just a, a nice way of remembering how that we're together in the church in certain respects. They're not redeemed. They're still called elect because God preserved them in their original condition and position in heaven. But it says that we have come unto Mount Zion, the spirits of just men made perfect, and an innumerable company of angels. So it's this huge congregation made up of men and angels. We're the only ones redeemed. We're the only ones that can say His blood was shed for us because He didn't die for them. But we're all singing the praise of a man who is now promoted over them, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 104 and verse 4, who maketh his angels spirits. And there's no apostrophe, there's no possessive case on that plural noun angels, who maketh his angels spirits. God made angels to be spiritual beings in that they don't have a corporeal body of flesh and blood. His ministers, a flaming fire. God's servants that execute his will in the world are a flaming fire by this text. Our God is the great I am that I am. He is far above the angels. 
He commanded their creation. Look at Psalm 148. Praise ye the Lord. Verse 1 of Psalm 148. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. How many is that? A hundred million and millions and millions. Praise ye Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all ye stars of light. Praise Him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. They're created, and they're spirits. And, uh, you know, we have warfare against a spirit that's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We can't see him. He's called the prince of the power of the air. That's why I do little things like, when you breathe in, you're breathing in some air that's important for you to survive through your lungs and pulmonary and cardio system. But there is in this air spirits that are moving around in and through these walls, and the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, as we learn in 1 Peter 5, 8, because he's a spirit. And angels are able to do the same thing. Go through walls, appear anywhere, travel back and forth between heaven and earth very quickly. The devil can't do that anymore. Since the crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, by virtue of Revelation chapter 12, we're a little lower than the angels. You know, so the Lord considers us relatively close. But there is no one that gets close to Jehovah because Jehovah is in a category by himself. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Angels have a will. You've heard that twice today when the Lord said, Who shall persuade or entice Ahab to go to battle that he may fall in battle at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner and another said on that manner. So they have wills. They're preserved from sinning against God. The devil and his angels were not preserved, but now they are chained in, in chains for everlasting torment into, in, where they will be thrown by the Lord Jesus Christ. But they had ideas for the Lord. And we could have thought of different ways in which, you know, a reconnaissance team could have come back by the angel's help and told Ahab that we've caught them having one of their national holidays. You know, reminds you of Valley Forge. The, the Lord could have done something like that, but the Lord did what was perfect by picking option number three for us to see, and that was to condemn Ahab with a lie because Ahab preferred lies. Right. This prophet never says anything good about me. Well, he's telling you the truth. And as soon as he said something good about him, I've adjure, I adjure thee not to lie to me in the name of the Lord. Well, now wait a minute. Which way do you want it? Do you want the truth or something good? And it's a powerful passage about the wickedness of a man's heart and how the Lord gave him what he wanted by that lying spirit. We'll get, we'll have more to say on that lying spirit. There's no reason that that has to be Satan or a fallen angel whatsoever. In Ezekiel chapter 14, where, where there are men that go to prophets with an idol in their hearts or a stumbling block of iniquity that they're not going to give up for the Lord, the Lord said, I myself will deceive that prophet and those men. When a person wants a lie, God will help you out by giving you what you want. Are you going to resent Him for giving you what you want? Do you know how careful Micaiah was with him? He told him, this is what I saw. 
All your prophets are lying to you. I saw heaven opened. Do you know how the effort that was put forth to save Ahab from himself? Shouldn't he have listened finally? Don't blame God and don't think anything evil about him. Just rejoice in the fact that he has sovereign dominion over his creatures. And if you want to mess around with truth, he'll help you believe a lie. Does 2 Thessalonians 2 say that God will send them strong delusions so that they would believe a lie? That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness? We don't make anything out about God that isn't declared in both testaments of Scripture. Angels have names. We know about Gabriel. We know about Michael. Much could be said. We could look at the passages of Scripture. They're called the sons of God. They're called saints. They're called holy ones. And if you remember that about the word saints, you're going to find some prophecies in Scripture, and you're going to find some history in Scripture, like God descending on Mount Sinai with 10,000 of His saints. His sanctified ones. That's what saint means. I've taught you that for a long time. And an angel is called the holy angels. They are sanctified ones. Enoch prophesied, the seventh from Adam, that God would come through Jesus Christ with thousands of His saints. Over there in the book of Jude. But the Bible tells us who He's coming with. His mighty angels in flaming fire to take vengeance on them that know not God. They're invisible. Unless they choose to take on the form of a man so that you can see them. Can you think about a particular form of transportation and the man using that transportation and the transportation saw the angel of the Lord before the man using the transportation? Balaam and his ass. The ass saw the angel of the Lord and did not want to go forward, but went this way and went that way and crushed Balaam's leg against the wall. It's a wonderful story. Till the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, just like opening the eyes of the young man of the prophet Elisha to see the angels of the Lord. Angels are impressive. Look, the the living creatures in Ezekiel chapter 1 is definitely an impressive sight as bolts of lightning and flames of fire flashing back and forth and wheels within wheels and various jewels used to describe them. It's a wonderful description of some of God's angelic creatures. They appear as chariots of fire and horsemen of fire and horses of fire. That's a wonderful picture, isn't it? These these are metaphorical word pictures for us of when an angel comes down to defend us because in those days they didn't have panzers and tiger tanks. They didn't have M1 Abrams. They had chariots. So uh, to have an army that had several hundred or thousand chariots was to have an army that had a distinct advantage. But now what about a chariot of fire with horses of fire and horsemen of fire that weren't on the ground but circulating in the air and filling the mountains around about the city of Dothan where Elisha was. Does it convey a pretty powerful image? You know, we would say, if they're still playing around with horses and chariots, maybe our ICBMs could take out some angels. Well, forget it. That's a... Who know The power they have is unlimited. Look at the germ warfare in the days of David. How many... One man. One angel, I mean. One angel. And 185,000 Assyrians. 
They're impressive. When men fall before them and see them and fall before them, they often would rise up and say, I've just seen God and I'm going to die. Because they had the superstition that you couldn't see an angel of the Lord or you couldn't see God without dying. And they were very impressive. Look at Daniel chapter 10. I want Daniel was a very good man. But I want to show you what happened to Daniel in the presence of an angel. Daniel chapter 10. There are several verses in this chapter about the effect of the angel on Daniel. Daniel was a man greatly beloved. To have an angel come and tell Daniel, thou art greatly beloved. Do you know how encouraging and comforting that would be? Because he was messed up over what was happening to Israel. Daniel 10.8 Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me. And uh, the vision he's having is of a man. The man's described in verse 5, clothed in linen and so forth. In verse 6, his body also was like the burl and his face is the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me for my comeliness, Daniel's attractiveness, Daniel's virtues and strength were turned in me into corruption and I retained no strength. You say, well, this sounds like God. Well, if it's God, then what happened to him because of the king of the prince of Persia in verse 13? You mean to tell me that God was held up? because of a, another angel that was uh, operating behind the, the kingdom of Persia, withstood me one in twenty days. But Michael, my archangel, one of the chief princes, came and helped me, God, Jehovah, get loose. No. Angel. A man. And if you backtrack, you'll find out that it's Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. If you go back through these chapters, you'll find out that the messenger for Daniel was Gabriel, and he was also the messenger for Joseph and for Mary. Angels are immortal. They do not die. Look at Luke chapter 20 and verse 36. These are things, every word of God is pure. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We'll take a few sermons and look at what the Bible has to say about angels. Luke chapter 20 and verse 36. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Verse 36 of Luke chapter 20. Once we get rid of our bodies, we're not going to die because our spirits live on. They don't decay and corrupt like our bodies, and we'll be getting new bodies to join them. But it tells us that about angels. Angels are celibate. You know that. They don't marry. They don't procreate. They don't reproduce. They're celibate. They don't give in marriage. And that's what Jesus used in uh, answering the uh, Sadducees. They're celibate. You know, some have th- taught, and we've spent quite a bit of time, and it's on our website, that in Genesis chapter 6, when it said the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were very fair, and took of them all the wives that they wanted. Those are not angels. Angels have never got very excited about dust, and then having a rib pulled out of that dust, and thinking about getting in the sheets with it. Sorry. They're they're just thinking about higher things than that. And we know what's under consideration in that particular passage of Scripture. 
the descendants of Seth, those that feared God, the children of God that called upon the name of the Lord, were led astray by all the beautiful women of the daughters of men. And so God brought judgment upon the earth for them. And there's a whole host of reasons why it cannot be angels that had sex and married women. And we've been through that before. Angels are masculine. So don't look at any pictures with long-haired women that have curled their hair and that looks like an angel. They have short hair because they're men. They always appear as men. And it's always masculine pronouns used to describe these creatures that God made. They're locational. They're not omnipresent like God. They have to go to and fro. They come and go forth. They're sent. They go up and down the ladder. God fills heaven and earth. Angels are different from that. They're fast. Look at, since you're, no you're not, you're at Luke. If you turn back to Daniel chapter 9, let me show you how quickly they brought an answer to Daniel when he was in prayer. Now we know that God hears our prayers immediately, but sometimes He sends angels. In this particular case, the answer that Daniel got to his prayer request was delivered by an angel who told him about the future events of the nation of Israel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer. I like that terminology. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel... I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. And the next four verses, we have the 70 weeks prophecy, but it arrived because Daniel, and you should read the whole chapter, had found in the word of God that Israel would only be captive in Babylon for 70 years, and he knew that he was near the end of it, so he's beseeching God and confessing the sins of the nation and wants to know what comes next. And did the Lord ever give him an earful and an eyeful from Gabriel about the 70 weeks prophecy? But when Daniel started praying, the commandment came forth, go tell him and give him an answer. And about the time of the evening oblation, the angel had arrived, and was telling Daniel. That's a long way to cover. We can't calculate the speed of an angel, though, can we? Because we don't know how far heaven is away. Have you ever heard a skeptic say, how many angels are there on the head of a pin? You know what I would say to them if I wasn't in the pulpit? Let's do it this way. Romans chapter 3. Whose damnation is just? If you want to argue about junk like that. Listen, you know I have a whole book up here in front of me. And uh, I'm in serious trouble. So we want to finish with this. Let's talk about Ahab and Micaiah and what Micaiah saw. Let's remember this. We can use 1 Kings 22 because I'd like you to remember it. We'll just take a few minutes here. It's worthy of much study. Do you know that as your pastor... Paul invoked angels to warn Timothy about being a good pastor. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels 
that thou do these things without preferring one before another and showing partiality. There the angels get worked right into God and the Lord Jesus Christ. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the elect angels. Why should that move a minister? Because the elect angels see and hear and report their watchers of everything the minister does, and the angels always do it right. The angels always do it fairly because they always do the pleasure of God. Psalm 103, 20 and 21. We want the crown of the road. That means we don't make fun of angels and that means we don't worship them. Let Rome go over there and let the Sadducees go over here. We go down the crown of the road. It is important to remember angels. Why would Paul tell Timothy, a second generation minister, I charge thee in, in light of the elect angels that you do, you exercise your office fairly. First Kings 22. You've had it read to you twice. This history isn't taught at Harvard, Princeton, or Yale. The University of Michigan and Stanford do not teach this lesson. But this lesson I want everyone to remember. Micaiah, the prophet of God, saw heaven opened and he got a glimpse of what God wanted to show him of how things happen in heaven. There was an angel that came as a lying spirit to fill the mouths of his 400 prophets, King Ahab's 400 prophets, so they would tell Ahab, go and prosper the Lord. Did you see that it was capital L-O-R-D? Those false teachers will use the name of the right God while they spill a lie. And you know how many people today are preaching in the name of Jesus? But Paul is wise enough to tell us it is another Jesus. It doesn't matter how much they talk about Jesus. It doesn't matter how much they sing about Jesus. It's what they teach and it's what they sing according to God's Word. That are the, that is the wholesome words and the wholesome doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be found here. The use of the name doesn't mean anything because there is another Jesus gospel and spirit. For those of you that want to know more about the dominion of God and God controlling all events like this, including lying spirits, remember that there is an outline on our website entitled The Dominion of God. And it goes into great detail and great depth and great length about God's government of the world, including negative events, evil events, wicked events. The Lord hath made all things for Himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. The Lord Jehovah sat on His great throne, just as Isaiah saw Him in Isaiah 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon His throne. Micaiah saw the same picture of God's glory. All the host of heaven, which were the elect angels, the host of heaven... The heavenly host, the elect angels, stood beside him on his left hand and his right hand, ready and willing to do whatever he told them to do. Jehovah God asked which angel had an idea on getting Ahab to battle. You're in 1 Kings 22. I'm just summarizing it for you. First one angel raised his hand and had an idea. Then another angel gave his suggestion as how it could be done. The third angel came forth out of this mass of a of millions and millions of angels and said, I have an idea. I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets and the Lord blessed him to do so. The Lord of hosts asked him how he would do it. The certain angel said he'd be a lying spirit. 
the thrice holy Lord Jehovah that we worship promised the angel success and ordered him to the work. Go forth and do so. 1 Kings 22 and verse 22. Micaiah then explained that Zedekiah, the leader of the ministerial association of the false prophets of Ahab, were all deceived and lying to Ahab. The Lord Jehovah had purposed evil against him and all his prophets were helping it. And he got his final warning right then. But he went into battle anyway. And Micaiah said, if you would all return in peace, then the Lord did not speak by me. I didn't see that vision. It never really happened. And you know how he died. You know, Jehoshaphat dressed up like the king of King Ahab and all the Syrians went after Jehoshaphat until he was getting a little nervous for his own hide. And so he screamed out that he wasn't the king of Israel. So they stopped chasing Jehoshaphat. But nobody knew who Ahab was or where he was because he wasn't dressed like a king. And so a man drew a bow at a venture. I wonder who directed that nail gun or that forty-five used for rabbit hunting to find its mark. The joints of his armor. The joint of his armor. He was fully armored. He had his body suit on. He had his bulletproof jacket on. But the Lord found a joint in it and the arrow went through and he bled out in his chariot and died that day by the word of the Lord and by this picture in heaven. And we want to remember this. I mentioned just a few examples this morning. I remember 30, nearly 30 years ago, a Sunday evening service we had where the men were welcome to get in the pulpit and tell of some event that they could not explain of God's providential favor or God's providential protection. And we had one very interesting evening service many years ago. I hope that some of you can remember a shotgun stuck in a face and the trigger pulled and it did not fire. Remember? And I mentioned a couple today. Do you know that in your life, God has directed you in jobs, in a spouse, in childbirth, in health, in surgery? You say, well, why doesn't it all, why doesn't it all work out perfectly if the angels are every, are you kidding? God wouldn't be making you perfect if everything worked out perfectly. You said, well, everything working out perfectly sounds pretty perfect to me. But it wouldn't be for your profit. And so there's a God in heaven in charge saying, no, we need to let this particular thing happen, but don't touch his skin. Did that happen in Job 1? You may have him, but don't touch his life. Then you may have his body, but you may not take his life. And so the Lord allowed some things to happen to us for our profit. But how many times have you been directed to good things? And the timing of things. And you say, I don't know how that happened. How did I end up in this job? How did I end up in this house? How did I end up in this church? Well, listen, the Lord's done this by angels directing us one way or another or by His Holy Spirit directing us from the inside or the Lord arranging circumstances by or without angels to get us all together. You know, when I read Acts, and I find things happening in chapters 8 and chapters 10, 
Now I know that there is a 40-year period of time called the time of Reformation in which two covenants ran side by side and God did miraculous works that were visible to the human eye. I know that, but I also know some things ended at Pentecost and with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and angelic activity did not end. And the promises of Scripture tell me that angels are coming again. The promise of Scripture, should I say that Psalm 34, 7 belongs in the Old Testament and God's angels no longer protect those that fear Him? The angel of the Lord encampeth round about those that fear Him and delivereth them. Why was Paul still telling Timothy as a second generation preacher who was going to live beyond and preach beyond 70 A.D. that he ought to execute his office in light of the angels? Why was Paul telling the church at Corinth that was going to live beyond 70 A.D. that their women ought to have a symbol of power on their heads and have long hair because of the angels? Angels understand authority, and women, you show that you understand authority by having long hair because there's supposed to be a difference, and they understand that difference. Jehovah is absolutely sovereign and decrees wicked as well as righteous events. Yet He's absolutely free and pure from sin, for man sins freely. Ahab didn't want the truth. The greatest, the greatest act of wickedness that we have recorded in the Bible is the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was all done according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. As God had determined would be done. Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Can we conclude that God so directs angels in positive actions for the blessings of His people? 1 Kings 22 is looked at as a negative event because it resulted in Ahab's death. But getting Ahab out of Israel wasn't that negative of event. It was a pretty righteous and good event to get that man out of the way. Absolutely. We can... Do this and think of positive events by virtue of these arguments. If we don't believe any more than the sovereign dominion of God over the angels. Because Nebuchadnezzar said, He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven. And God's will includes much good for us. God's will includes blessings for us. And so if He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven, then the army of heaven or the angels of God are sent on missions of blessing and favor toward us by one argument alone. Absolutely we can presume and argue that. Because with nothing more than the everlasting love of God for us, God loves us. That is is the motivating force in His dealings with us and for us by sending His angels. Every positive act of an angel or angels to benefit saints was by His supreme order. Where do you, how do you think it happened? Some angel just decided, you know, I'm going to go down and do something nice for those people. So here, let me get on the ladder. Guys, get out of my way. Let me get on this ladder and slide down and do something nice for Jacob. It was by the order of God. Because they're always doing His commandments and they always do what pleases Him. That was Psalm 103 again. Satan had to ask leave from God, and so did the legion. In Matthew 8 and Mark 5, that were in the Gadarene, they had, you know, those devils going out and going into swine were by the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the glory of God. Remember the angels that 
are in the, beholding the face of our Father in heaven for every child. Why did Jesus invoke that verse in Matthew 18, but that they are for the good, the benefit, the protection of those children? Or he wouldn't have used it. Daniel wasn't the least confused as the source of his rescuing angel. God hath sent his angel. Well, how did he send him? How did he pick one out of a hundred million? Any of you have ideas about tranquilizing lions? I'll pop them, I'll pop them with my right. Next. I'll pop them with my left. I'll shut their mouths. I'll shut their mouths. You know, can you see Daniel down? Was, did he sleep comfortably that night? Did he have a bed vibrator? A bed warmer? Was he lying on one of them? They all shut their mouths. But they sure were hungry, weren't they? Because the next day they had a big meal. And it, Adam read to us that the bones of children, wives, and those presidents and others, other colleagues of Daniel never got to the bottom of the den before all their bones were broken. The, the Lord wrote the Bible that way, by the way. I did not write the Bible. The Lord wrote the Bible that way, and I love those verses, and I loved them as a child. Dad? Paul and I would raise our hands. Dad? Do you mean that like Tusha, a Siamese cat that we had, when it gets a mouse and it plays catch with it, do you mean that they were all playing catch with those guys down there in the in the lion's den, and before they ever got to the bottom, when Daniel began serious prayer, notice, someone was sent. An angel was sent. Gabriel was sent to give Daniel an answer to his prayer request. The commandment. Are you, are you with me? Mm-hmm. It was a commandment. What was the commandment? Go, give Daniel the answer, and tell him he's greatly beloved up here. Because they loved Daniel. My point being right now is a few arguments to remember this. And it happens every day. And it happens with the affairs of nations. And it happens with the affairs of little people like an Egyptian slave that was despised, unprotected, divorced, pregnant, fired, alone, and lost. You can fit in between the two, can't you? Daniel and Hagar... You can fit in there, and God has His angels to take care of us. Otherwise, why do you ever read Psalm 91 that He will give His angels charge concerning thee, lest when Zach falls out of the third tree, 35... Please don't! He'll be there to bear him up, lest he dash his foot against a stone. The angels protect us from things we can't see as we read about in Psalm 91. And it's a wonderful psalm, and it has several verses of condition. If you make the Lord your hiding place, He will protect you from pestilences that move at night. He'll protect you from arrows that move day or night that you cannot hear. Arrows were a terrible way to go down. You know, when men were used to fighting with a sword or with a spear, you had to face an opponent unless you let them come all the way up behind you, but an arrow could reach out and touch you from a distance, and you could never hear it and seldom see it. But you know what the Lord says in Psalm 91? I've got that all under control. It doesn't matter whether you can see it, hear it, understand it, whether a microscope is able to pick up the pestilence or not, I will protect you. A thousand will fall at one hand, ten thousand at the other, but it shall not come nigh thee. 
because God shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And do you know who really, who knew that text and used it? You know that text was used for an argument in the New Testament. Who knew the text? Satan knew the text. That it was a valid text. He was trying to deceive Jesus to presume upon God and jump off the temple. Why would Jesus suggest twelve legions of angels rather than God Himself? Why did He say to Peter, don't you know that I could ask for twelve legions of angels right now? Why didn't He say, because He mentions the Father, I could ask my Father for twelve legions of angels. Why didn't He just say, Peter, don't you know that I could ask my Father to deliver me? Because God the Father operates by angels. And that's what we've wanted to learn today. And we're thankful that we were made lower than the angels And by looking at us right now, we're all very lower than the angels. But do you know what our future is? The sons of God in the presence of the Lamb. And remember the circles that are in heaven. There's God and the Lamb. And the angels are out here. And we are in here. The four and twenty elders representing the church under both covenants. Praise the Lord. Jesus was made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor above them. We shall be crowned with Him as the sons of God. And 1 Corinthians 6 says that we shall judge the fallen angels. May the Lord bless His Word to the comfort of your hearts and encouragement to live for Him. Let's live like the angels. I'm told as a minister, I'm supposed to remember the angels when I execute my office. I hope you'll remember, like women are told in 1 Corinthians 11 about the length of their hair. I hope that you'll remember Psalm 103, that they always do His pleasure. They keep His commandments. They are zealous and eager to do whatever God tells them to do. Let's be like that. Let's be courageous. Let's be bold. On the job, climb those trees. On the job, do whatever you need to. If there's a door that you're a little intimidated about knocking on, knock on that door and trust the Lord. If there's some girl or there's some guy that you want to communicate with and you're a little nervous about it, commit the matter to the Lord and go do it. Go meet your Esau. Go back and submit yourself to Sarah. Did it turn out okay for Hagar? Do you know how big Hagar, Ishmael's family is today? Do you all understand that there is a religion in this world that's over a billion, they're not all the biological descendants of him, but the Muslims are the descendants of the worship of Ishmael. And the Arabians in the Middle East, that's a pretty huge family. And the prophecy of Genesis 16:12 that was given to Hagar is fulfilled to this day, isn't it? They shall be every man against his brother and every brother against him. And it's been fulfilled. Be courageous. The Lord is with you. And how is he with you? Angels. He told Joshua, I'll be with you. But how is he with Joshua? With angels that drove out the inhabitants of Canaan. And he'll be with you. You know, we want to trust him from the top down. The Holy Spirit in our hearts. The word of God preaching and speaking to us by its, by its being preached. And the angels taking care of some logistical and providential matters of our lives. And it all comes together. We're the children of God. And he has a whole, and forgive me the use of these words, but there's a whole system in place to protect us, keep us, bless us, guide us, teach us, and fill us until we are filled with all the fullness of God. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word. Amen.